On today's episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, we dive into the YouTube comments and we also get Brandon K. Scott on from Sports Radio 610. He's going to talk about all things Texan all day. Cody, you know what to do. Press that button. Let's start the show. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Friday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Y'all know who it is, the amazing duo, John Hickman, Cody Davis. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing the show. It's coming out right now. Cody will be at training camp later this morning. So we'll have the conversation about what's going on with the Houston Texans at training camp of day one coming out soon. Pump your brakes. We're hmm. with you guys. We're going to deliver everything we can. Uh, I think it's kind of funny, though. We're going to dive into the YouTube comments. What I think is funny is a lot of people are on the same page in regards to, I think, bringing in some help for Davis Mills, right? I know earlier in the week you had a conversation with uh, DJ Bianami, and he mm-hmm. mentioned that Zach Wilson. But again, I think everybody understands that in this league, you have to be able to throw the ball around. So bring in some players Mm. that can compete at wide receiver form. That brings me to my first comment from Jalen Johnson. I agree, John. The Texans need to try to find a wide receiver that can help Davis Mills out either by trade or signing someone in free agency. Well, free agency is over. Uh, They may be able to find – well, you know, they can sign somebody once they get cut or whatever the case is. Uh, Honestly – Next year, if Mills pans out, if we have the um, if we have the ninth pick or something like that, I wouldn't be mad if they went on and got Jackson Smith, the wide receiver from Ohio State, in next year's draft. Uh, he, he's a phenomenal wide receiver, <laughs> and he still does need a a number one contingency playing that receiver. Uh, I think they need to address that position regardless. They should have probably did it more in the offseason, but. Uh, Cody, and I'm also seeing a lot of Cole Beasley's. Cole Beasley's. Cole Beasley. Cole <laughs> Beasley. They like Cole Beasley. Uh, so I, I think that we can all agree here that more is necessary for this young man's development. Yeah, and look, especially now because Danny Amendola is off the board. I heard some people talk about the possibility, small chance of bringing in Julio Jones. He's off the board. He just signed with Tampa Bay. Cole Beasley makes too much sense for the Texans. He's the veteran wide receiver who can actually help with some of the other developments of the young guys, like a Nico Collins, um, like a Devion Davis or whatever the case might be. But he is a guy that you could just plug and play. He could definitely help stretch, um, help Davis Mills get that ball down the field, especially a wide receiver who can play in the slot. Um, my, I want to go back to the statement of drafting a wide receiver, John. Do you think the Texans should draft a wide receiver in next year's drafting? Yes, I understand it's extremely early to start talking about draft, but Brandon Cook's still going to be on the books next year. You still got Nico Collins, who I'm hoping come 2023, he's going to take the helm as wide receiver number one. And then, you know, pray everything goes well, you'll have John Mechie back. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the Texans should address that position, whether it's in the draft or it comes in free agency. We we've seen listen, this isn't this isn't your granddaddy's football. This isn't your dad's football, right? Of course you have to run the ball effectively once you get to the playoffs, but a lot of the top teams in the NFL, they have great receiving cores. We've 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 looked at the Ravens and questioned their success with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. And the, 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 the topic of discussion has been, well, he doesn't have playmakers at hmm. receiver, right? You got to have it. Why do you think the Bucks went out to bring in A.B. last season? Why do you think they're trying to see whatever Julio Jones has left in the tank, right? This is what the NFL is right now. Um, and and, and the, the perfect example of a young quarterback going into the right situation and that team drafting for him and they already having talent, it's Joe Burrow, right? I mean, we came in, he had Tyler Boyd and Higgins. Then he, in his second year, went out and got his buddy from LSU and, and, and Jamar Chase. So, again, you cannot expect a young quarterback to develop if things aren't, you know, the best as possible around him for his situation. Slow to roll said the Texans are planning to use a fullback. Sounds like a run heavy with play action. Their running backs are more ground and pound types not so much breakaway speedsters. And Lovey Smith is a defensive coach. Remember the clash between Buddy Ryan and Kevin uh, Gilbert. I like that first part. Um, I do think that a fullback will be utilized this year. I think that Houston wants to be more tougher. They want that physical mold to represent this franchise. They'll kind of hit you in the mouth whenever they can. So I can see Andy Jonovich, who they brought in, play for Cleveland Browns, being very special for him. I ain't running the ball this year, and I do like Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce to kind of pick up yards, kind of fall for four to five yards whenever they get tackled. This is one of the biggest areas of improvement that I am looking directly at this upcoming season, starting in training camp with this run game just getting better. Cody, one thing that I would love to do this preseason or, you know, maybe in the regular season as well is just kind of meet up with a group of fans, um, maybe hit a bar, maybe hit Kobo's, one of the best spots in Houston right now, bar none, and just watch the game, kind of argue a little bit, have a good old time, drink a couple of beers, and uh, just watch Texas football. I, I would really say in the preseason where the stress isn't that monumental yet, hasn't built up on a lot of people where we can just get together and just have a grand old time laughing and arguing and putting out our own hot takes. Just one big old Texan happy family. But, guys, BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information from live betting, scores, and podcasts. They got you covered with everything. Head to betonline.com.net today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening because BetOnline is where the game starts. 
Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with this Friday installment of Locked On Texans, which means Brandon K. Scott is back in the building, back for another year of Locked On Texans, because you guys know normally every single Friday we have our guy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610 here every Friday on Locked On Texans, and today... The training camp begins, which means the start of the 2022 campaign begins today. Brandon, what's going on, my guy? And welcome back to Locked On Texans. Cody Davis, man, it's so good to be with you, brother. It's so good to be with the Locked On Texans uh, audience and community. And, yeah, I'm excited about the 2022 season. I I'm going to be honest with you, like training camp, Training camp I could personally do without as like the like the going out there in the heat part, but the actual mm. watching the team and watching them develop, like mm -hmm. if, if if that's what it costs to kind of watch the team be cultivated and, and turn in to whatever it's gonna turn into, I'll pay that cost. So uh it's a it's a lot worse ways to find work out here than to be out there watching your favorite football team uh, you know, practice and get ready for the season. You mentioned one word, probably my favorite word in terms of what I want to see most out of the Houston Texans and training camp. That is development. And nobody on this roster needs to develop more than Davis Mills. Brandon, we talked a lot about Davis Mills last season here on this podcast. We talked a lot about Davis Mills throughout the offseason on this podcast. Starting today, day one of training camp. What are some of the intangibles within Davis Mills' games you would like to see improve that would kind of make you a believer? Like, you know what? I want to see this guy be a Houston Texans starting quarterback beyond the 2022 season. Well, I, I thought one thing that would help him tremendously, Cody, was was a better run game, was to, to have a better run game, to have better play calling, to have uh, an offensive scheme that maybe he is more – familiar with or comfortable with or something is more of a familiar language to him uh, and a, an offensive coordinator who probably sees football through a similar lens as, as he does, uh, given their background, given um, that, that Davis Mills is a Stanford quarterback and Pep Hamilton obviously coached at Stanford, coached Stanford quarterbacks, uh, most notably Andrew Luck. So like it, it all makes sense that they would speak the mm -hmm. same football language. I think that that's one thing that that's going to benefit him, or at least I would I would like to think, Cody. I would like to think that that would benefit him. Um, one thing that he should have, kind of, uh, you know, on, on like working in his favor. Because when you think about all the things that are not working in his favor, you think about it, the, the the talent level, just where the franchise is. Not a lot of weapons beyond Brandon Cooks. Still a shoddy running game, a running game that you're not really sure what to expect from. And again, who are you throwing the ball to aside from Brandon Cook? So I think I think Davis Mills got a lot of things working against him. But mm. one of the things he's got working for him is having, I think, an offensive coordinator at the very least, like I said, speaks the same language. And then as far as like some of the things for him to get better, you mentioned that, or that was the question. Mm -hmm. He talked about, and they have talked about him wanting him to get stronger, which makes sense. He was a rookie last year, first year in the NFL wanted him to get stronger in his legs more specifically, not necessarily his arm strength, but in his legs more specifically, his base and, and his footwork, you know, um, 
just uh just his, his timing and his footwork and all of those things some of the more intricacies some of the more intricate details of of his game and some and some of the mechanical stuff so getting stronger having better footwork um one of the things i want to see from him cody to, to where I, I feel good about him is to see them challenging downfield a little bit more and davis mills has talked about that wanting to do that wanting to get the ball downfield and take a little take a few more chances and, and take a few more shots than they did before he was a bit of a check down charlie even when he was good even when he was good he was mostly a check down charlie with a few exceptions uh, but when we saw him throw the ball downfield it was you know it wasn't it wasn't terrible and made you feel like okay what if they tried this more what if they tried to threaten the defense a little bit more and i think i think brandon cooks has become sort of an underrated weapon in that regard people hmm. I, don't, I don't know if people have kind of forgotten how burner brandon cooks is or and ha- has been throughout his career but if they can get that chemistry down and and, and kind of just you know that sort of natural progression that you would expect davis mills to have from year one to year two you know i, I would like to see them get the ball downfield a little bit more mm. brandon you know we talk a lot about davis mills we talk a lot about the rookies class but in terms of the veterans who are some of the veterans that you were most excited to see throughout this training camp especially the veterans like one guy me and john always talk about is ross blacklock we kind of believe like look if he don't have a good training camp we really do not see him being a part of this team or at least in a rotation of that defensive line come the um start of the 2022 campaign yeah, I think Ross Blacklock, and I've said this for a while, could definitely be subject to a numbers game or could fall victim to a numbers game in terms of the way the defensive line is constructed. You think mm-hmm. about it like this, Cody. I'm pretty sure last year they carried eight defensive linemen on the 53-man roster, on the initial 53-man roster. And it was four edge guys and it was four inside guys. And now you think about who those guys might be. Okay, well they've they've replenished and replaced their edge guys for the most part, bringing in Jerry Hughes, uh, Mario Addison, uh, my man um, uh, Oko from 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 the Rams, the 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 A Leaf native. Um, mm-hmm. So they got some edge guys. They got Rasheem Green in there who plays outside and inside. So think about that. That's four guys, almost four. That's four guys I just named on top of uh, Jonathan Grenard, also on the edge. And then your inside guys, Malik Collins, Roy Lopez, they just drafted Thomas Booker. You know, where does where does Ross Black Blacklock fit into the mix? I think is an interesting question, an open question that still needs to be answered and something that we'll be monitoring throughout camp. Like how does he look? How does he look compared to Thomas Booker, the rookie? How does he look compared to uh Rasheem Green, who I know plays outside as well, but do are they playing him more inside? Is he getting more reps on inside as a, even though he's an outside guy primarily mm-hmm. is he getting more reps inside than Ross Blacklock is we've already seen him get jumped by a rookie uh and Roy Lopez it happened last year um as far as the veterans that are more interested in watching though like no offense to Ross Blacklock I mean I think he's for a job in this training mm-hmm. camp but I'm more interested to see some of the other uh veterans that they brought in on the defensive side of the ball like Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes, what do those guys still have left in the tank? Um, when I talk to people over there in the building, it's, it, it sounds like they feel like they're really high on those guys. But, you know, I'd be really interested to see what that actually looked like. Um, and, and not just that, but also Steven Nelson um, as, as a cornerback. I mean, this the, the cornerback position is totally revamped. It looks totally different, not just drafting Derek Stingley, who I know you asked about 
uh, veterans. You know, Derek Stingley is his own case as a rookie. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they brought in other guys as well to play cornerback because the cornerback was so bad. Um, so so that's what I'm most most interested to see, the guys up front and the guys in the back um, uh, of, of the defense, just to see, you know, what what is that? Is that an upgrade from last year, and what does that look like? Mm. Last question before getting out of here. You standing there with me, rookie um, training camp, voluntary OTAs, mandatory mini camp. We had a, a small opportunity to see the 2022 draft class. Um, you know, we saw almost all of them, except for Derek Stingley. Didn't really see him much. And of course, we was all waiting for John Mechie. But unfortunately, seems like we're going to have to wait another year until we could finally have an opportunity to see him. But Brandon, when you take a look at this draft class, what are some of the intangibles that you will be looking for, especially in terms of Derek Stingley? Because you know, I understand that that was like a mini camp, but at the same time, I was a little bit concerned because he wasn't out there when the Texans went 11 on 11, 7 on 7 or whatever the case might be. Yeah, so the the big thing for right now, Cody, and, and obviously, let's just say, let's just out there, there are high expectations for Derek Stingley long term. I think that mm-hmm. goes without saying, but I I want to preface that with with that, you know, is by saying the obvious. You know, he's really been trying to address for years now and have not been able to do so. There are high hopes and high expectations uh, for you know for Derek Stingley, but I think for right now, just in the immediacy, Cody, when we're going to training camp, as we're monitoring things, let's see how active he is, how much he's participating, mm-hmm. because that was what we were told. That was what we were told during OTAs and during mini camp was that some guys would not be, you know, in full participation. Some guys' workload would be managed differently based off of where they were health-wise and where they were in their off-season rehab and all of that. And Derek Stingley was included as one of those guys. But it was also told that they expected all of these guys, barring some type of injury, so I assume that whatever's happened, the things that have come up since then are things mm-hmm. that have come up since then. Like, like of course, with John Mechie's situation and him being diagnosed with leukemia, the three guys that were put on the PUP list, uh, Jordan Jenkins and the rookies, um, undrafted defensive back Tristan McCollum, shout out to Sam Houston State, and um, and then also uh, uh, Tegan Quatoriano, the, the, the tight end. Like, those are things that have come up. But at the time, it was like, hey, we're ramping some guys up. But the expectation is that pretty much all of these guys are going to be ready for training camp. So here we are. Is that true? Is that still the case? Or are they going to have to, you know, monitor him uh, and, and treat him with kid gloves in the meantime? Which, to be clear, I think that that if that's the case, it's not necessarily time to panic. If anything, maybe you should be happy that they're able to recognize such a thing and that they're going to be careful with such mm-hmm. an important player to the team um, but it would probably cause you to temper your expectations for what you see in his rookie year and how much like how good is he going to be right away um you got, i guess you got to caution people on that because he is the number three pick but he is coming off of this serious injury playing such a difficult position but all eyes on Derek stingley and really right now how active is he how much how's he moving and how much is he doing out there uh, will be more some of the more interesting things to follow um not just in the beginning but you know as they put on the pads and as you know as training camp intensifies further and further that will be something to monitor welcome back in ladies and gentlemen to this friday installment of locked on texans by the time some of you guys hear this podcast 
Brandon and myself, we'll probably be in our cars on the way to NRG Stadium. By the time some of you guys hear this podcast, we will probably be already talking to Nick Asirio, analyzing Davis Mills and the rest of this team, talking to Lovey Smith. And by the time some of you guys hear this podcast, be sure to check out part two of the podcast because, of course, we got to put put out takeaways from day one. But with all that being said, Brandon, there is a lot of news surrounding this organization this year. And it's kind of funny because if I'm not mistaken, I think the, the first day of training camp last year was a year ago. And we know that very first day of training camp, it was a lot of just nonsense, foolishness, just a drama going on Brandon what are your thoughts about just the, the the new atmosphere surrounding this organization especially after the year that we went through last season yeah I think it's refreshing to say the least and one thing that we have all been looking forward to when I say we I mean the Texans fans that I talk to and some of the media members like yourself and some of the others that we all know um that are kind of on the beat and the cover of the team, just kind of looking forward to more normalcy. Like the 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 discussions and the controversies are within context. They're within the proper sports context, like what we were just discussing earlier, right? Like, mm-hmm. like does Ross Blacklock make the team <laughs> after being a second round pick two years ago? You know, in year three, does Ross Blacklock make the team? Um, you know, is the is the defense how deep is the defensive line <laughs> you know is can Derek Stingley go out there after the Liz Frank injury and be effective right away does Davis Mills have enough weapons what does a Pep Hamilton offense look like with these with this team you know can Lovey Smith be the guy again you know it's like all sports narratives type stuff that we can all get into as sports fans, football fans, Texans fans, and can have fun with. You can have discussions, disagreements, but it doesn't have to be this this heavy cloud of, man, is that the – is the franchise quarterback ever going to play here again? Why, why doesn't he want to play here anymore again? Like, other than <laughs> other than them losing? And, and what's this other stuff going on about something about some women and, and, um, and massage appointments? And him, uh, you know, trying things and what, like, what is, and, and is he going to show up? Oh, he's only going to show up so he can get paid and later <laughs> so he can get traded. You know, like it was just a weird, and then what is the, where does the organization go from here? Right. Mm-hmm. And then last year as well, I think you had some rightful skepticism about Nick Casario and not to say that he's completely overcome that, but I think that they're, what you can you cannot be sold on Nick Casario at this point, but still say that he has a little bit more credibility this year than he did last year, based mm-hmm. off of how last year went with the draft and, and and all of that. And and I think that most people think he drafted competently this year, uh, even if there are some things that you could look at and and, and question and maybe maybe you nitpick some of the uh, some of the moves he made to trade up for guys like Nico Collins and John Mechie. Um, maybe you don't like those moves, but he seems to have done at least a decent and adequate job at GM um, so far. You know, it's going to be a long time before the story is really told there, but you feel better about that. There's some clarity on the quarterback situation with Deshaun Watson being traded, Davis Mills 
most people feeling pretty good at the very least about seeing what's there. Even if you're not completely sold, you feel good about given where you are as a franchise, knowing that you're not probably going to win anything at the very least finding out if this guy is any good or how good exactly is he? So, so that's exciting. All of that is exciting on top of the fact that you have rookies. I did this early, uh, not too long ago, Cody, I wrote for sports radio, 610.com. Like the, you know, I ranked the top 25 players to watch at training camp. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the way that started, the way I even got to do that was me just thinking like, you know, who, who are the players that I want to watch? And I, and immediately thinking, well, there's at least 10 players. This is obviously before the Mechie news. But there's at least 10 players that I want to watch at camp or that I'm interested in their trajectory this season. The five draft picks from 2021, okay? And then at least the first five or six draft picks of hmm. 2022, you know? So, you know, there's, 11, there's like 11 guys right there. Mm-hmm. Not to mention a Ross Blacklock and, you know, all of those veterans. You know, is can, can Philip Dorsett, even though he's probably never going to end up living up to his draft status, can he at least be a reliable guy? Can he be a, a dude that comes in and contributes, especially now with the Mechie news, right? So some of that, and Nico, you know, I mentioned the draft picks, Nico Collins, but, you know, there's enough players there for you to get excited about or at least be maybe not if not excited if that's not the right word maybe at least be intrigued or somewhat optimistic that at least a few of them can be pretty good mm. brandon last question before getting out of here this time last year uh we was talking about david cully what will pep hamilton look like without deshaun watson under center now we have those same questions however it's a lot more different what are your thoughts about Lovey Smith being the head coach of this organization? And not only that, how are you going to analyze this coaching staff throughout training camp, especially considering not only Lovey Smith, but of course, Pep Hamilton as well? Yeah, I think that Lovey Smith actually has a lot more credibility and deserves a lot more respect than he apparently gets. Um, I think it's very easy to point to his time in Illinois and cite that as a failure because it was, to be clear. Um, but who among us has succeeded at Illinois? I, I dare anyone who is under the age of 40, you know, to <laughs> to, to point to the time where uh, Illinois was, was a power. I'm not sure that they've had back-to-back winning seasons. You know, like there, there, there's a – I wish I had it in front of me, but there is a, a, a stat about Illinois football that would that would pretty much illustrate to you why it is that not just Lovey Smith, but nobody else has been successful there or, or, or the fact that no one has been successful there consistently. So I don't really hold that against him. Now the time in Tampa wasn't great and there were some moments in Tampa that weren't great, but I also don't think that he really got enough time to really work through it. There was improvement from the time that he got there between the time that he was fired, but they, you know, wanted to, I guess it was at that point they were, you know, all in on Jameis Winston and wanted to go with Dirk Cutter uh, because they felt like that, you know, they wanted to go with an offensive coach because they had invested in a quarterback or thought that they were going to be invested in a quarterback. And that's the direction that they want to go in or wanted to go in. But I thought in doing that, they cut Lovey Smith's time short. Not to say that you couldn't justify firing him. It wasn't going great, Um, but he didn't get a lot of time there. Um, So I think it's been a long time since he got really a fair shot 
or or was on a job that you could fairly evaluate him at. And I think this job will be um, a little bit closer to that. But you also have the caveat of them not having the best team. And I think that is how it will be ultimately how you judge them Mm -hmm. is is are, are they able to get the most out of a little? You know what I mean? Make the most out of the least in this case with this team. Um, how you know how how much are they able to get these guys to play up? Um, you know, you know, even past their potential. Um, and as far as training camp, honestly, I'm not going to try to read too much into what the coaches are doing at training camp. I will be interested in how the practices flow and what are some mm-hmm. of the things that they emphasize and some of the things that stand out and some of the things that they talk about after practices. And when we talk to coordinators, when we talk to position coaches, like some of the things that they some of the things that they make note of and go out of their way to say whether they're asked about it or not. They 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 are pretty good about messaging and saying exactly what it is that they want to say. So I'll be interested to hear, you know, what their own analysis is of their team um, whenever we get to hear it. Hmm. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners and viewers follow you at on all of your social media platforms? And be sure to tell them about the B Block Podcast. Yeah, follow me. Follow me at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram at B Scott from Hiram Clark. And the podcast is the B Block Podcast. You can subscribe and get that. Uh, It's a weekly deal. You can subscribe and get that anywhere you get your podcast. And if you like this one, you'll like that one. Uh, So hit me up on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, and, and like I said, at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter, too, um, where you can kind of stay up to date with what's going on there and at Sports Radio 610 and at other places that I work (laughs) at. I'm always grinding. I'm always up to something. So, uh, So, yeah, come check me out. Yes, sir. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And believe, be sure to follow my co-host, John Hickman, on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12. Be sure to follow the podcast on all of your favorite podcast streaming services. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. This is going to be a great season, and it starts today, ladies and gentlemen. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.